In this episode of the Alpine Psalmist podcast, I had the privilege of interviewing Daniel Hobbs. He is a climber from Minnesota, and he climbed all 58 Colorado 14ers, 14,000 plus foot peaks in less than 15 days. As of this recording, he currently holds the fastest known time for a self-supported climber climbing all 14ers in less than 15 days. It's a pretty amazing uh, feat in my opinion, and I really enjoyed this interview. We discuss his journey of faith his overcoming obstacles in life, and his amazing journey to climbing all the Colorado 14ers in record time. Well, without much further ado, here's the interview with Daniel Hobbs. Hey, Dan. How you doing, man? Hey, good. Awesome. Great. having me. Great. I'm glad you were able to connect. Awesome. Well, hey, listen, everybody. Uh, We have Dan Hobbs on the podcast today. He Climbed all of the Colorado Colorado 14ers in less than 15 days, and I'm excited to uh, hear your story. And how you doing, man? Yeah, I am good. I'm very good, and I'm super excited to be here. So this is fun. Awesome, man. Well, hey, I'm just curious. So you live out in Minnesota. How did you get yeah. started on this journey to climbing mountains and doing the 14ers? <laughs> yeah, I live in a very flat state, so. Um, not, not a natural activity out here. So yeah, I mean, it kind of goes way back. Uh, my dad and mom actually moved to Colorado um, after I grew up and, and my dad was out there working and invited me to come out. And so I think I was like 20 or 21. I came out and visited him and we went for a hike in the middle of the winter up in the mountains. It was pretty wild. And, uh, that was really my like first real mountain experience. So I was, uh, I had a terrible so they would never do it again <laughs> and uh uh yeah sorry about that i don't know what's going on so um yeah right on so yeah i just i started climbing mountains i mean that was you know 17 years ago or so and then uh, but i i didn't do a ton of it honestly until 2013 um i was going through some real tough stuff in life and I just come out of a divorce and was battling depression and uh, really bad depression actually and uh, uh, struggling with uh, a lot of things and uh, God kind of I woke up one day and just came out of my mouth I'd say it came straight from God that I was I was uh, gonna go climb the Colorado 14ers all of them uh, that year and oh, wow. so I just was like wow I, I mean I literally like covered my mouth with my hands and was just like where did that come from i don't even know what i'm talking about I, I literally had no idea how many there even were at that time and so i was like well i guess i guess that's my path to get out of depression so i uh, i started training and um so in 2013 i climbed them all the first time and uh start to back i finished in 24 days uh which was pretty fast for having no you know just a kid from minnesota i had climbed five mountains in my life going into that and um uh, uh, really it was a school of hard knocks i learned as i went and still managed to finish you know 58 mountains in 24 days um uh, found out i had a real knack for mountain climbing and that i was really quite fast at it and it was something that i really loved and so uh, through that experience i beat depression i i found myself i found a new life and 
I found strength. And uh, yeah, so it was kind of a wild way to get started in the mountains, but that's how it happened. Wow. So basically, you had like a pretty long gap from when you were younger to when you started getting back into climbing again in 2013, correct? I mean, there was a huge, it sounds like it from what you've yeah, yeah, there was some years in between there for sure. So I had started a business and had kids and, you know, personal struggles and all that, uh, marriage and all that. So, yeah, I mean, there was a big gap. And, and then there was another big gap after 2013, too. So um, uh, between then and when I set the records. Wow. So so for you, this it sounds like to me, like when you started getting back into climbing again, that this was just as much as a spiritual journey for you and not just a physical. Is that correct? I mean, did you grow up in a, a, a home of faith or? I did. So I did. Yeah. I grew up in a, a, a Christian home and uh, great parents and, uh, but you know, it's a faith is a struggle. And so it's a complicated walk. And so uh, it's not been real linear for me. There's been a lot of big ups and downs and, and I find I have found uh, my faith and my spiritual journey, uh, I think the mountains have been one of the biggest part of that for me. And I found God again. I found, you know, strength. And and uh, really, I, I call it the God zone when you're up there because it's just you and you and, you know, the elements around you and you're not in control. And so for me, that's a place I need to be in to, to find myself right in the spiritual world. Mm, yeah, no, I totally can relate to that. And uh, I know that for me, when I'm up in the mountains, um, not only do I feel mentally better, but spiritually, I just feel so much closer to God and to help me, you know, restore my faith and just um, reinvigorate, reinvigorate me to, to, you know, get after it again, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's a good place for me. It's my happy place up there. Um, it's uh, being a Minnesotan. It's complicated, but, <laughs> you know, it is yeah, what it no, is. So. I actually used to, I went to school in Minnesota and in Minneapolis. Oh, yeah? And so I used to oh. always walk to, you ever been to Midwest Mountaineering? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, used, I, I lived like two miles from there. So I'd walk there every day when okay. I was in school and I'd look at all the, um, <laughs> all the climbing stuff there and, and yeah. get back out west again. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Did you go to UMN or? Uh, yeah, I went to the University of Minnesota. Yeah, so I was uh, cool. I was there for a number of years. And uh, um, the cool thing about Minnesota, though, there's a there's there's a pretty cool you know outdoor community there. And uh, there from is. what I observed when I was there, yeah, yeah, it's not all doom and gloom here. You know, we have it's a great like for a metro area. Um, honestly, the outdoors is probably more accessible here than like even in Denver. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm just curious. So like when you were doing your first round of 14ers when back in 2013, I mean, did you have in mind this goal to eventually try to break records? I mean, were you just scouting them out? Um, how did that all evolve? Asking, no. uh, I was just asking like, how did that, the, the goal to like break the fastest known time for self-supported, how that evolved? Yeah. It, it's so when I set out in 2013, I just wanted to finish. And when I finished in 24 days, um, you know, I was pretty fast and, and, uh, it just set the seed for it. it. It set the desire and I didn't know if I could ever do it, but it set the desire. And, uh, so fast forward 2015, Andrew Hamilton, uh, set the supported record, um, in you know, less than 10 days. And I, 
I remember I was sitting in my downtown Minneapolis office with like a suit jacket on at my at my desk, and I was like, I remember I pulled the article up on my computer, and I just it just hit me like a wall. That I was like, that should be me. That's what I want to do with my life. I don't want to be here in the suit jacket in downtown. Like I, mm-hmm. I want to be out in the mountains again, and that's who I am. And so, right then and there, like at my desk, I said, I am going to do it. And that's it. And I never looked back. Like from that moment on, I was going to set this record and there are no questions about it. Um, and so that was in 2015. And my life was in nowhere in the right place for that to happen. So um, I was running my own business and things were things were not in line for that. And it really took, uh, you know, there was multiple times over the next five years where I was like, I'm going to do it next year. And I like was trying to get life set up. It didn't happen. And then it wasn't really until 2020 that I was able to uh, get the time I needed to train and make it happen. Um, and then I trained for, you know, that was just to start training. And then it was a two year process from there to, to set the record. And how did that look like living in Minnesota training for that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, it was a lot. I mean, that was one of the reasons. So I didn't, I ended up basically taking full-time work off for two years to, to train for this record. Um, because we don't have mountains here or anything like that. It's really quite flat around Minneapolis. <laughs> and so um, I, um, I, I trained on a 140-foot-tall hill. Um, I do have the great benefit of living next to this 2,500-acre woods and lakes and all this, this big nature reserve um, right next to my house here. And, um, but the tallest hill is 140 feet tall. <laughs> So, um, I, I trained on that hill. So I tried to, I, I worked up to about 10,000 feet of elevation every day and 20 to 25 miles a day. Um, so that worked out to be, you know, a little over 70 laps on that hill, um, every day. And then I'd go run or, uh, walk more miles in the park. Um, but you know, 70 laps on the same grass boring (laughs) hill, um, you know, I don't remember how many hours a day the hill part was, but you know, it was probably six hours a day on that hill, just on that one hill. Um, it was mentally grueling. It was physically grueling. Um, it actually, you know, Minnesota is not known for its good weather. Um, it's generally there's, you know, it's either freezing cold or burning hot here in Minnesota. And there's like two weeks a year of good weather. <laughs> so you get like, you get like one week in May and one week in September or October. That's nice. And, and other than that, it's just miserable. So uh, that made me really tough, though. I mean, I, I trained so much in bad elements that, you know, even I had some tough weather uh, during the record. And, you know, Colorado's known known for its summer storms in the mountains. But but as bad as the weather got in Colorado, um, other than the danger factor, like it wasn't as bad as the training I had to do back home. Right. Wow. I mean, that's pretty amazing that you were able to find the motivation every day to run that hill. I mean, did you listen to iPod, your iPod? I mean, were you, yeah. I mean, how did you yeah. find motivation to do that? <laughs> Man, it was, it was tough. So it made me mentally tough and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I just got myself in this really simple mental zone where I just, I was just happy with anything. Like no matter how bad it was, I just taught myself to be happy. Uh, I listened to a, I, I, I'm, I don't know. Uh, I'm just, I'm not good at listening to podcasts while I'm doing something. Like I, 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 I enjoy listening to like books on tape and podcasts and all that, but I can't be moving at the same time. Like my brain doesn't do two things at the same time. So 
I just listen to like the same playlist of songs on my on my phone, you know, with my headphones every day. The same like 80 songs over and over and over again. Wow, <laughs> and, uh... and it just worked for me, you know, like it just I was in the zone and I learned how to make time pass and I learned how to suffer well uh, and just made it happen. Wow, that's uh, that's dedication. Well, Mark Twight says that alpinism is the art of suffering. So you, uh, <laughs> your training regimen, and that's uh, that's pretty impressive to do that that repetitive. You know, for me, like I like to go different places. So, I mean, that's yeah, hardcore. To... <laughs> right? Yeah. No, I do too. Don't worry. I I love to go new places. So I'm so jealous of guys like you who have great mountains to go climb and hike on whenever you want. Like I'm so jealous of that. But you know. <laughs> So you were all trained up and you were you had this record to be in mind. I mean, how did you I guess my question is, is I mean, are you like a real big like gear nerd? I mean, I mean, how did you logistically yeah. get ready for for this record to break it? Yeah, the, the 14er records are very logistically heavy. Um, in fact, I would say that much more than the climbing and athleticism, it's the logistics that win or break these kind of records. Um, I mean, you got 58 mountains. So I, I, um, oh, where were the? So yeah, the Fortuna records are super logistically heavy. I mean, you got 58 mountains; they're all over the place. You got thousands of miles of driving, four-wheel drive driving. Um, you know, for, to set this record, I had to learn how to ride. I had never driven a dirt bike before. I had to learn how to use a dirt bike. Uh, I had a, a mountain bike. I, I, you know, built a custom four-wheel drive van specifically for the record and there's so much logistics that go into this every meal had to be planned every minute had to be planned every mile had to be planned i spent i spent two years hundreds of hours on my computer and i went i mean i climbed every mountain in advance i i drove every mile i drove probably i I don't know tens of thousands of miles trying to figure out the right combination of the mountains and the right roads to drive and all that so there was so much that went into this from a logistics standpoint. Um, I am definitely a logistics and gear nerd to answer your question. <laughs> and, and that's a lot of what, when this kind of thing, like to, to set the record, you have to have all that dialed in so well, um, especially on the self-supported record, because there's no one to help you. And when you're 20 some hours, you know, 24 hours without sleep or, you've gotten one hour of sleep in the last 48 hours, you've climbed, you know, seven, nine, nine, ten 10 mountains sometimes in that time period. Um, and, and you're having to make logistics decisions in the middle of the night on a four wheel drive road. Like you really have to have it figured out in advance um, to, to make the whole thing happen. So um, I am definitely a gear nerd. Every piece of gear was tested over multiple times over multiple years, including my vehicle and my food and everything. So, yeah, definitely. Wow. I, I saw a picture of your van on online and it looked like you had quite the setup. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm just curious. So so when you get so you, I'm I'm guessing you must have you must have drove to Colorado from Minnesota. I did. Yeah. I hauled a whole bunch of stuff out with me. And so did you so and so when you planned this out, did you hit the easiest peaks that you could do first? I mean, just to sort of get going or uh, on the record itself or on the training? Uh, just even on the record. I mean, did you, did you go yeah. for the easiest things first or how did that work? No, so there's a very specific order that I did the peaks in. Um, very specific. And actually, the first day was super hard and 
and the weather was bad. It was very bad. <laughs> um, uh, so there's a very specific order. So four of the mountains are the easiest way to get to them is actually you get off of the Silverton to Durango tourist train. It's an old steam train. Um, and halfway up the route on this thing, you get off and it's the closest point to access these mountains. So you start off of that because the record starts 3,000 feet below the first summit um, is, is kind of how the rules read out on these on the 14er records. And so you take the train up the day before, you hike up to the 3,000-foot point and camp and start there um, and then and then exit out and then take the train back um, the next day. Uh, or, yeah, right after your first four. But um, So, no, I started in the southwest corner of the state and kind of worked my whole way through um, – the state and and yeah i mean the like i said the logistics of this were so specific i mean every mountain and i spent literally i spent a whole week just trying to figure out how to come make a combo of three of the mountains <laughs> um nobody had ever like there was nothing to base this on so um i started i started like i said off the train that first day uh the first you know the first mountains the first two of the well, there's four mountains. Uh, two of them are class four. Well, there's five on the first day. The first four, two of them are class four. Um, I started at 1.40 a.m. in the dark in a pouring rainstorm. Uh, I got lost like 20 times trying to get up it. It was uh, my GPS was glitching out big time because of the cloud density, I think. Um, it was just jumping all over the place and I couldn't only see like 15 feet. And I was up on this, you know, cliff face. There's a little catwalk narrow little thing in the middle of the storm it was it was pretty intense it really was um from the get-go literally within the first two hours was some of the most intense two hours of the whole thing and this was was this in august or uh it started july 5th and finished july 17th okay wow wow so i'm more used to like the cascades and you know the, the peaks in western canada like for those who are not familiar with the colorado rockies like you know, what is the terrain like, you know, versus other places? I don't know. Um, I mean, I mean, are you looking at more open terrain? Or I'm guessing that most of the peaks, I've been in the Rockies a few times in Colorado. Um, I'm guessing most of the peaks start pretty high in terms of the elevation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing with the 14ers is like, you know, most of them you could start above 10,000 feet. Not all of them. Some of them are down, you know, but I don't think any of them start you're below like 8,000 feet really at the trailhead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're starting really high. Um, some of them are, you know, pretty jagged capitals. Uh, you know, the way I did snow mass, I mean, they're pretty jagged, uh, pretty intense, but most of them are, are more tame um, as well. You know, there's a lot of class one, class two mm-hmm. terrain um, on the easy ones. Um, but uh, yeah, and so your high elevation at tree level in Colorado is is also quite a bit higher than um, like the Pacific Northwest. So on the southern half of the state, it's it's above twelve thousand feet, and on the northern half of the state, it's like eleven. It's between eleven five and twelve five, um, pretty much where tree line is uh, eleven thousand five hundred and twelve thousand five hundred. So. You do end up spending quite a bit of time in the trees too, and um, uh, the mountains are really variable though. So there's 58 of them; they're all over the state, and there's a whole lot of different geology that you run into. And some of them are this dense conglomerate; other ones are the most loose, chossy crap you've ever touched, and they're out to kill you. And it's, <laughs> it's, there's a big there's a big spread. Um, 
what there wasn't a ton of was snow. Um, uh, I did 25 of them to train in June before I started. Mm-hmm. And when I got going on those, there was still a ton of snow left. And, you know, that time of year is tough because it freezes into like solid ice at night. And then during the day, it's super soft. And so, uh, you know, I had to bring my ice axe and crampons a lot when I was training. But then by by when I started the record in July, most of that had melted out. Um, so it was pretty much off of the snow, except for just a couple mountains. I had some snow routes on. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. All the different terrains. Cause like, you know, out here it's like, we're on, we're on the snow all the time <laughs> and, yeah. um, and we start with, you know, you know, the, the peaks here, they start a lot lower. Um, even though, right. you know, a lot more vertical relief, but, uh, we spend a lot of time, uh, bushwhacking and the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> so one, yeah. one thing I do appreciate about Colorado is, uh, I like being, uh, uh, out in the open terrain, more, <laughs> more drier, uh, yep. uh, terrain there. Yeah. Which is nice. Um, what did you find to be the most, uh, challenging of the 14ers there? Would you say that capital to you was, or was there any, any other challenges that you felt that were more challenging than that one? Yeah, actually, I really love capital. It's my favorite mountain in Colorado. Um, I know it's deadly and it's, it's, can be technical and you know i think was it 2017 more people died on capital than died on everest i think um but um i, I actually just absolutely love the mountain i've always had a great experience it's fun it's challenging it's beautiful um so capital definitely not i i was um so i i was actually stomach sick eight of the 14 days on the record and that became to me probably the hardest part of this whole thing because I a, wasn't planning on it and B it was really hard. Like I was throwing up and had severe abdominal pain and nausea um, on a bunch of the mountains. And so um, my hardest day for me, like probably wasn't the hardest mountain, but it sure felt like it was, was on little bear and Blanca and little bear is one of the deadly ones too. Uh, just cause there's a lot of rock fall. Uh, class class four but there's a ton of rock fall in little bear and um but i just i was so sick and it's still kind of technical and i was so dizzy from being stomach sick i was like falling over on the way up <laughs> and so that was tough uh, that was a tough day it was a, like 23 and a half hour day i think and uh, you know coming off of multiple days with almost no sleep going into that day was tough and then being super sick all day was tough um but um there's a route so the route between capital and snowmass for the record mm-hmm. which no one should ever do for any other reason than you're trying to set a record because there's no sense in it and it's it's i've done it twice i did it once in training and once on the record is there's a six hour period there that's probably the hardest most grueling dangerous section in all of colorado uh, between the two mountains between capital and snowmass and it's just nasty uh, the rock is the worst in the whole like i i've never seen rock like this anywhere i mean two thousand pound boulders are shifting and coming down the hill and you know there's rock fall coming down on top of you natural rock fall off the ridges and it's just brutal um uh, so that that and the two times i've done it i have no desire to ever do that again for the rest of my life <laughs> <laughs> it's tough that's wow. a tough day with, I mean, at, at any point, were you just thinking, you know, I'm going to quit. I'm just going to call it good. Or 
Um, I never got to that point because, like, I I know this sounds like simple, but I said in 2015 when I was at my desk, I said I'm going to set this record. And for me, I'm a very driven person. That was it. I was going to set the record. So whether I mean it was just you know the hell or high water, whether I lived or died, I was going to set that record once I started, and and that's how it was going to be. Um, I had a mental breakdown on my second to last day and just really lost it. Um, I had some on the Maroon Bells Traverse, which is a class five traverse. Uh, I, I, I got a huge thunderstorm, started hailing lightning uh, when I was up there and snow and it just went on and on. And I was stuck in this class five terrain, uh, you know, covered in sleet and snow. It was really terrifying. Uh, uh that was mentally very twisted. Um, I didn't want to be there. I did want to just quit, but I, in my head, I never like got to the point of wanting, you know, like, all right, that's it. I'm done. Mm, wow. So, yeah. <laughs> well, wait, wait some wild stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was good. It was, it was good to get it done. It was tough. It's just, I think, you know, I think though, if I wasn't stomach sick, it could have been, it could have been a you know kind of a cool experience, but being stomach sick for uh, it was the first six days and the last two, I was very stomach sick. Uh, that made it definitely just a very difficult adventure. Wow, when when you were up there during those fourteen plus days, um, how how were you doing spiritually? I mean, uh, were you reflecting on God more? I mean, how how was that for you? Yeah, definitely talking a lot with God, like all day, every day in prayer. Um, I like I said, I call it the God zone because it's you and God, and and you're in the elements, and that's you're out of it's out of your control. Um, especially when you're on a you know a record schedule where you don't get to pick your weather, you don't get to make any you know any choices other than go. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've had. As tough as it was, I had some beautiful moments. Some, you know, being out there at weird hours when most people wouldn't be out there, seeing incredible sunsets and sunrises, and you know, being out at 3 a.m. with a huge moon overhead um, on top of a mountain, just had some incredible spiritual moments and and long conversations with God. I spent a, a glorious amount of time by myself <laughs> in this <laughs> whole process, and so you know, there's nobody else to talk to, but me god so uh yeah it 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 makes you spiritually strong that's for sure yeah i I love that feeling like you know especially when you're solo and you're out there like in sunrise or at night and uh you know it's just you and god and there's no one else out there like you said and um you do i mean you find yourself and especially as a believer like i find myself in in prayer constantly and or sometimes I just put my, you know, my, my earphones on and listen to worship music or just talk to God. And, and I love that feeling, you know, when no one's out there, it's just, it's beautiful. So that, yeah. that's cool, man. Wow. Crazy. So, so when you got to the, to the end of your journey where, I mean, like, was that, did it feel anticlimactic or were you just like, just like, I'm done with this or like, how, how did that feel? It was very anticlimactic. Part of it was I was so burned out by the end. And I had this like total mental breakdown the second to last day. And it just drained me like emotionally where I didn't, I didn't have anything left. And so when I crossed the finish line, I mean, I bet I had cried 10 times or more. 
before then thinking about crossing the finish line, you know, about how amazing it was going to be and all this stuff. And then I, when I finally finished, I was just so tired. I think I, I remember exactly what I said, but I just like sat down and was like, Oh, I'm glad that's over. <laughs> I, was like, oh, I just need a nap. You know, I don't have anything. I was just so, I was actually really, in hindsight, I was like upset. I'm like, I wanted that to be this amazing moment, right? And I was just tired. I mean, that's all I felt was tired. Um, and so it was a little anticlimactic, I will say that. Uh, and, and it really, it took about a week to 10 days for it to set in. And then when it finally did, it was pretty amazing. So, yeah, no, that's, that's cool. Do you, I mean, I guess after you finished this, so you finished it in, was it? Is it 14 days and 17 hours? Is that correct? Or Yeah, 14 days, 17 hours, and 33 minutes. Oh, wow. That's crazy. So I'm just curious. Like, Are there other people out there now trying to break that record? <laughs> I'm sure there are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are. I hope I hope it sticks around for a few years so I can enjoy that. <laughs> um, you know, but I'm sure someone's eyeing it up. Um, I guess, I guess, would well. you try to go back and break that? If someone tries to break yours, will you go back and try again, or are you good with the uh, the fourteener record <laughs> for yourself? Uh, you know, I don't know the answer to that question. I think I have the desire to. No, I, it took so much out of my life. I have two kids uh, as well, and you know, I mean, it just took me away from them and a lot of you know, my family, and so I don't know if I would go back. I would think. I think if it happened within two years of me setting the record, I I might go back and do it. But after that, I think I'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll be a, the yeah. next uh, Tom Brady, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I totally understand. I have kids too, and just finding time to to get out in the mountains it's a, it's a, it's a time intensive sport, right? I mean, just yeah. even just doing one peak, you know, depending on where you go, can be a big deal. And so, you know, you yep. got to balance family and other obligations and work. And so I, I totally get it. I guess after this, I mean, um, what, what do you see yourself doing in the future in terms of like, do you have other climbing goals? Do you want to do more technical stuff, uh, other ranges? Like, is there stuff on your radar in the future? Yeah, definitely there is. I'm certainly not done in the mountains. I feel like I'm just getting going. Um, I, I've got my eye on Nolan's 14. Um, which is a 14 mountain, 100 mile ultra race, basically in Colorado. It's not a race. It's you know, um, it used to be a race back in the day, but um, you know, it's got like I don't remember what it is. It's like a 95 percent, you know, DNF rate on it. Um, it's pretty tough. I paced uh, Andrea Sinsoni last year when she set the women's record on it, and and ran her support crew and stuff. And so I. I got a hankering to do that myself. Uh, it's, it's brutally hard. And so I like that challenge. Um, I would like to get out to the more unknown mountains that people, you know, um, that you just can't find people on. Cause I, I spent so much time in the 14ers the last couple of years. Uh, you know, and a lot of the 14ers are getting super crowded. So I'd love to get out to some of these farther out ranges and maybe get out, you know, your way and, there's some cool stuff like in Idaho and Wyoming where like nobody goes. And so oh, yeah. I'd love to check out some of that stuff too. Cool. I, I'm just curious, would you also be um, interested in getting into rock climbing too? I mean, just more like technical rock climbing and ice and stuff, or is that kind of, just, yeah. Like, just to build upon that? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I would love to um, get into that more. It is a little difficult in Minnesota. Um, I've I've climbed a lot at our you know local rock walls and stuff, but I I haven't done hardly any you know technical outdoor climbing, and it's certainly on my my desire list. Uh, we'll see if ability matches it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure it will. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's crazy. Cause there's just, there's just so much stuff out there. And uh, yeah, like you said, Wyoming, the wind river range, I mean, there's so much cool stuff there and um, mm-hmm. you know, North Idaho, uh, North Cascades are amazing. If you ever come out here, um, a lot of stuff out there, glaciated stuff, a lot of technical rock and ice, um up in british columbia yeah. too um i'm sure you'd love it you know and for someone like oh, yeah. you 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 know you'll be in heaven <laughs> yeah i bet no i would love to do more especially more in the the mountaineering and the ice and snow i have a big desire for that um i'd love to someday do the seven summits that's on my bucket list and i tend to achieve the things i say i'm going to so <laughs> um, i'm sure that'll happen down the road uh once my kids grow up but uh yeah, I would really getting into the the you know big mountain mountaineering would be a dream come true for me. Nice. I noticed that you you mentioned the Nolan's list, so I'm just curious. Like, do you do a lot of like long distance trail running to train? Like, there's people out there who do like you know fifty hundred milers, and do you do a lot of that yeah. stuff or like distance running? Okay. I I mean I I, do, I run a marathon every year, but I'm a pretty crappy runner to be honest <laughs> um, i can i can hike forever and i just cannot run forever my my knees and hips just have never enjoyed it um i tend to get injured pretty easily on long distance running so um if i'm hiking and i can run intermittently it's just i'm not a good ultra runner so um that one's off the list but the nice <laughs> thing like even with even with nolan's like you know i can't remember that Joey Campanelli's uh, record is, you know, 41 hours. Uh, but even that's like averaging two and a half miles an hour or something like that, you know? Um, and, and that's an insane record. So you, so stuff like that, I like it because there's still like this technical aspect where it's, it's just brutal terrain. And that's where I really shine is when the terrain's really terrible, but you just got to keep going nonstop. Um, that's, that's my, my sweet spot. Nice. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I hate, like I do run, but I hate doing it. Um, I was talking, I was yeah. listening to a guy the other day and I think he, he ran like a hundred miles in like a day. And I was like, dude, that just sounds just, <laughs> and he does it all <laughs> right. Time. I'm like, that just yeah. sounds uh, brutal to me. <laughs> I like my mm-hmm. joints. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, some people have it. I think that they just, I don't know. I think some people are just born with joints that are fine with that, you know? And, the ultra runners that I know are just like, oh, yeah, it's no big deal, you know? And I'm like, right. I would be dead. <laughs> so, yeah. Two different kinds of people. Yeah. So I'm just, so what would you say to someone, uh, Dan, who is struggling in a rut, who's maybe depressed or just feeling hopeless? Like, what's your advice? What would you say to them? You know, you've been there. You've got yourself out of a yeah. rut. And I'm just curious what you, what would you say? I would say, yeah, I mean, to back, to preface this, like, I've, I've had some real struggles with depression uh, in my life and depression and a battle with suicide back in, then and all this stuff. And so 
just to preface what I'm about to say, like everyone's struggle is different. And so what worked for me may not work for somebody else. And I never want to be in the position of saying, oh, if you just do this, it'll fix it. Because that's not how it works. But um, I would say that, you know, the, the answers to big problems tend to be big. Um, and so just don't be afraid to go do something big and change your whole life up. And, you know, if you're struggling in a way that, especially with depression, like sometimes the answer is just a whole life change. And and for me, that was in the mountains, you know, I mean, that was a big answer. It was, I had no idea what I was doing and I packed my bags and went to Colorado and, and took a better, you know, a big chunk of the summer to, to uh, go climb mountains that I had no idea what I was getting into. I didn't know if I was going to live or die in that experience. And, and God met me out there and, and I found God again. And so Go after those big things. Sometimes the answer seems absurd and huge and insane, and that's exactly what it needs to be. Mm, that's good, man. That's good. You know, I was, um, and this is, I'm not trying to give like one word, simple answers, but I was reading an article recently, uh, a recent study that was done, and they were finding that uh, um, veterans with uh, PTSD and TBI in, in Europe, they mm-hmm. were treating them with outdoor therapy. And, uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I find that being outside for, you know, for a lot of people, it, it would probably be very beneficial for them. Yeah. Um, you know, we're so we live in a society we're so disconnected from the natural mm-hmm. world, you know, unlike our ancestors who were always outside. And I, I think yep. just being inside all the time, it's just not healthy for us. I don't think we were designed mm-hmm. to be that way. Um, not that it's yeah. the answer for everything, because, uh, you know, ultimately there's, you know, there's a spiritual equation, too um yeah definitely being inside is not healthy for our bodies (laughs) yeah i agree i mean a thousand percent you know this whole office culture you know sitting all day inside a building and then what do you do you get out you get in your man-made car and you drive down a blacktop road and then you go inside another building your house and then you repeat that day after day like it just i agree i think i think we were you know i think we're we flourish in the natural world and, and we have this inbuilt way of refreshing. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know why it's refreshing, but it is. And, and when you don't have that, I think people just, yeah, they just kind of their mind and their body just become bogged down and, and unhappy. Yeah, definitely become a cog in a machine. Well, mm-hmm. Dan, you've, uh, you've, you've shared a lot about your journey and man, it's quite impressive. You know, 50, plus peaks in 14 days and 17 plus hours. I mean, that's just an amazing physical feat. I know you shared a little bit about what's next, but uh, is, is, is there anything else big on the horizon come up you projects, outdoor projects that you got planned? Um, yeah. I mean, the Nolan's thing is kind of on the radar. I I'm, you know, I'm trying to balance family and work and all that. again. <laughs> I didn't work for two years, so I'm, having to make up for lost time there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I still have this drive to be, you know, an athlete to set some records though. So I'm, I'm trying to stay fit. I'm trying to keep myself out there and, you know, Nolan's is probably the next big one. And then um, I'm supporting some other athletes on some mountain records. Um, when they're ready to publish those, I'll, I'll make it public, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, and I, yeah, I, I would love to enjoy the mountains a little more too. You know, it's not all about racing and setting records. Um, the best 
the best moments in the mountains are the ones where you have time to sit down and enjoy it when, when you have that beautiful sunset or whatever. So hoping to get a little more of that in my life too. Totally. hundred percent with you. Hey, Dan, uh, I appreciate you uh, joining me today and just taking time out of your uh, busy schedule. If anyone wants to find you, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, I'm on um, Instagram's usually the easiest way. I'm the Minnesota Mountaineer on Instagram. So you can just at Minnesota Mountaineer and uh, you can message me there. Or you can follow along on some of the adventures and and uh, that's, that's where it's at. Awesome, man. Hey, is there anything else you'd like to say before I let you go here? No, this has been super fun. I'm glad we were able to connect. And, uh, yeah, this is cool. Yeah, definitely, man. We'll have to uh, definitely get outside sometime and maybe uh, climb something in Wyoming or the Cascades or up in Canada. I I would love to go to the Cascades and have you show me some sweet peaks up there. So, yeah, let's do that sometime. All right, man. We'll definitely do it. Well, I appreciate your time, Dan. And uh, like I said, impressive record. And I'm sure you will uh, continue to uh, break more in the future, man. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Yep. Thank you, sir. You take it easy. All right. You too. Bye. Bye.